everyone is battling potential cyber attacks in one form or another. Eventually, we all get hit at some point. But how well can your company recover? Whether it's 10 days or one day, that's what can make you competitive. Hey, I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and the Packers editor of Retail, Education, and PMG, or Produce Market Guide. This week's episode is a Zag Technical Services partnered episode, part of our Ag Tech series. Longtime cybersecurity and ag expert Greg Gatsky, founder of Zag Technical Services, explains how produce companies can use technology, especially modern technology, to be more competitive with cybersecurity, data, labor reduction, more production, more sales, and waste reduction. Now let's join the chat. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast with the Packer and talking all things ag tech. I'm your host, Rob Collings, Marketing Director at Zag Technical Services, and I'm joined by my host, Melinda Goodman of Full Tilt Marketing. Hey, Melinda, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you this week? What do you think we're going to talk about this week? What kind of astounding creative ag tech big brain ideas will shake our world? Well, we do have big brain on today's call, actually. So you know what? Let me get into an introduction. So today we're chatting with the leading cybersecurity and technical services consultant in the agribusiness industries, Greg Gatsky, the president and founder of Zag Technical Services, which is an award-winning strategic IT consulting firm. So Greg founded Zag around about 25 years ago, actually, as an organization that's dedicated to providing technology strategies that would bring his clients solutions that generate a competitive advantage. And as you know, Melinda, competitive advantage is a big deal in ag. Hey, everybody wants to be better than the next guy. Right. What's that that little book? (laughs) I know. But you know what? It wasn't just heck that called Greg's name. It was the youth spent in uh, Wisconsin farming that ignited his passion to serve the agribusiness and fresh produce sectors, bringing specialized expertise and a unique value prop that well-managed and secure infrastructure in the agriculture industry makes America safer and stronger. So Greg, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much for that. Appreciate you guys having me. Well, Greg, I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. It's been almost two years or about two years since we first met at the VivaFresh conference, and we talked about your vision for building better managed, more secure systems in agriculture. Our jobs are very different, but our passion to support the men and women who feed us is highly aligned. What's different with ag tech today than it was two years ago? Maybe new risks, new opportunities, new challenges? Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, the risks are obvious. Criminals are attacking ag. They're attacking basically everyone in the nation, but the attacks are consistently happening, hitting large companies, small companies. But there's also opportunities within ag for technology is becoming kind of a new farming input. It can help us reduce waste. It can help us increase production, reduce labor requirements, things like that. So technology and ag are, have never been more aligned than today. Man, I love that statement. Technology is a new farming input. Ah, that's profound. Simply profound. Well, thank you. It is. It's interesting too, because Melinda, we were talking about earlier in one of our podcasts about IT through and the investments in technology through the prism of um, the effectiveness they deliver to the business rather than a pure cost. 
right? And so it's interesting to hear Greg talk about that too. But hey, Greg, we had alluded to your background in ag back in the Midwest. For those who haven't heard about Zag before, can you tell us a little about how the company was formed and what led you and the business to be focusing on ag? Sure. Thank you. So yeah, my family grew, uh, started growing lettuce and other vegetables in the uh, 70s and 80s in Wisconsin. During the 80s, obviously, there was a lot of pressure. At the late 80s, there was a lot of pressure on agriculture. A lot of family businesses went out of business, my family, among others. So we exited the farming world. At the same time, I had a love for technology, always had that love. Ended up in Silicon Valley, kind of the heart of technology. And so it was a good place for me, but I was missing something. And then, you know, we were working with some of the great companies in the area. But like I said, there was just something missing. And then in 2000 four-ish, we uh, we got involved in a organization in Salinas, an ag company, and we were able to deliver a technology in a better way, a more advanced way than what that company had seen before. But I also got the benefit of working with people in ag, and everybody knows what it's like to work with people in ag, right? Handshake means something. You have contracts, but it's really about the handshake and if you don't do right. Everyone will know it. And that's the world I grew up in. That's the world I love. And it was very natural for me. So because of that, we just put a focus about 2006 on ag and kind of went all in. And it's been really good for us ever since. I think that's super meaningful. You know, you you hit on something that, you know, people talk about this all the time, right? Like find the job you love and you'll never work another day in your life. Like where's your passion? Where's that intersection between what we love and what we're passionate about, but also what we're really good about and are really good at, I should say. And we tell college students that we look for those people and find it. And it's awesome to see that somebody like you who has what I'm going to call a non-traditional job in agriculture. It's not somebody doesn't go to school to be an ag tech person other than now we have precision agriculture degrees and stuff. But you took away and passion to build this part of our industry that's so badly needed. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, when you think about it, people in Silicon Valley, they, they spend their life figuring out how to get someone to spend a second and a half extra on an ad. And that is a lifetime to them, right? We're doing something helping feed America, protecting America. It, it just means so much more and it resonates so much stronger with people that, that we work with and candidates that we bring in. It's a different deal and it's much more meaningful. I yeah, I would, I would agree with that too. There's no argument. And obviously, for those who are paying attention at the head of the show, Melinda, I'm a marketing director at Zag, and I actually uh, work directly with Greg at Zag. And I must say that the company's mission and its focus on serving the nation is quite inspiring. It's one of the reasons I love coming to work every day. Stroking through that Silicon Valley commute. <laughs> but hey, Greg, you mentioned started paying it a little more attention or being more focused on ag. Maybe, geez, it's, it's heading toward perhaps 20 years ago. What changes have you seen in IT departments those years? Have you seen changes in, say, maturity levels or in how they think about technology and how uh, technology is used within the organization? Yeah, we've seen some dramatic changes. You know, originally it was all a cost center and it's whatever you could do to minimize cost of IT was what everybody's goal was. As we've matured and the industry has matured, we've become more and more dependent upon ag. Like I said, it's, it's I consider it the new farming input. And because of that, uh, people now want to maintain their systems. They want to keep track of everything they're doing and they want to look for opportunities to enable the business better. So we're seeing 
companies embracing ag. And uh, it, we're just daily seeing new things coming in, new technologies that make us better, make our clients better, and just set us up for a, a much better future. So everybody's kind of, or at least really forward thinking companies are starting to think of technology as a new tool. How do they make that mind shift? I mean, there's lots of change happening, but like this isn't just a guy who's rebooting a computer or installing new software. This is really, how do you help them think about strategic IT operations that are really transformational to their business? You know, everyone knows the stressors on ag, right? It's labor, it's government initiatives like quality and things like that. Technology can answer almost every problem we have at some level. So as they look at the problems, and let's face it, technology has always been in agriculture. I mean, the 50s, the 1800s, it's always been there. We're just now embracing modern day technology to, to do the same things that agriculture has always done. So it's natural. It is a jump. But once you make that jump, it's a natural jump. And you realize that technology can make your business better. It can make your organization be more competitive and, like I said, reduce other inputs on the costs. It's interesting you say that. I was just doing a little bit of research on labor, or farm labor the other day, and which industries within agriculture had the highest amount of farm labor. Obviously, no surprise that fresh produce does. I, we all know that. But I was curious at how that played out in other areas of agriculture. And speaking of embracing technology and seeing a major change, the livestock industry used to be much higher in labor than it is today. And it's all the ways that they have embraced technology well whether it's the automatic milkers in the new dairy parlors or the technology in hog operations where they're monitoring the sound of hogs to identify their overall health. It's so they're figuring out quick ways to embrace technology and they're seeing it in the downsizing of farm worker labor need. And it doesn't change the total labor. We've talked about that, Rob, almost every single podcast of it creates upskilling opportunities to do new things. Absolutely. It is everywhere. And we're just going to see more and more of it. Livestock, they, they track how much time they spend drinking water. They track everything because that can show the health of the herd. So yeah, it, it's it's everywhere. It is. I'm curious, Greg, partially circling back to some of your comments just now. You know, Melinda and I have talked about IT from the point of view of ROI and investment. And you know, obviously, it's an expense without an obvious ROI. Are there ways with some of Zag's clients who are super successful and growing rapidly, do you think the C-suite in those companies views IT differently than just plain in a straight up ROI? Or you know, how do they think about the investments they make in information technology and more broadly? Yeah, thank you for that. I'm being brought in more and more to talk to boards and, and C-suite, and they get the requirements. When they look at someone who's under attack, is down for 10 or 14 or days or longer, they see the impact that has on that. The company loses business, they have problems. If a company can recover within 24 hours, it becomes more of a, a minor hit than this full-scale disaster. So because of that, boards look at risk mitigation. And when you frame security in terms of risk mitigation, well, then it is absolutely the board's job to ensure that is being done. And then as far as the more competitive advantage type, well, and also to say it, security is a competitive advantage because of that. We all know in football, defense wins championships. 
It's no different in IT. But then the more forward-facing stuff with uh, identifying opportunities to reduce labor, to better qualify uh, processes, to save waste, all that is also something a board should be driving towards and completely in their purview. So what you're kind of saying, you said, you know, technology is the new farming input. It could answer every problem we have. You just said that, like, you know, labor, waste, water, whatever it might be. IT expenses, uh, strategic investments, they look different for every company. And I'm assuming companies that put a focus on strategic technology look different, too. What sets these companies apart from their competition? Companies that really can look at strategic IT investment and mitigate their risk. What sets them apart? What we normally see is just, you know, you have forward-looking companies that want to embrace the future, want to get better, want to get stronger, want to provide a better service to their clients. We see that in every industry. In ag, it's just like that. Forward-looking and you want to get better and you want to take advantage of what's out there, that's the kind of company that we're talking about. People who are, can I just pause it there? Yeah, that makes good sense, Greg. I'm, it's interesting, I think, Melinda, that you know Greg's talking about organizations that are very, very forward-looking. And I think one of the mistakes companies can make who view IT or information technology is just as a cost is, in a sense, it's like they're investing in the past. They're not taking an approach of or thinking about the technology as an input that has time-delayed benefits in their organization. Yeah, and you've said this before, like the break-fix model, that's the past, right? You let it break, now you have to fix it, but you didn't change potentially whatever got you there. So the forward is, I'm not fixing something, I'm creating something. Yeah, and it's about the future state of the business. We want to be, well, here's where we are today and here's where we want to be in five years and how do we invest to go and, and make that happen and information technology and technology more broadly is critically important to that. And Greg, as you said earlier, technology has been in ag for decades, if not hundreds of years. And it's just the t- shape and nature of that is changing, whether it's the packing lines and AI and vision sensing and sorting and all that kind of stuff or robots in the field. And also just think about all the requirements that are being put on farmers today that weren't in the past. Labor time reporting. If you don't give a person a lunch, it's a traceability, huge thing. All these things require technology to achieve. And that's why I believe everyone is embracing technology versus what we have in the past. I think that a ship sail, we all know that we have to at this point. Every company, big and small, relies on technology. From the field to the warehouse to administration, uptime stability is critical to your bottom line and to supply chain continuity. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest risks to modern agriculture. Contact Zag Technical Services for your technology risk assessment and let us check your tech. Visit zagtech.com. So, Greg, circling back to Zag a little bit, you know, you don't become the industry leader in strategic technology consulting and cybersecurity for ag by just, you know, fixing computers and staying the same. I mean, technology is always, you know, evolving quite rapidly. You're looking ahead and you and I have regularly have conversations about what the future might hold. So I know that we're making some investments in data and software services. Why do you think data is the next frontier in in technology and how you know how is data and information and analytics becoming a competitive advantage for ag companies? 
Silicon Valley has long understood the value of data. That's what it's been built on lately. Egg understands that knowledge. One of our guys, Dave McCurry, has a good saying where basically he says they're not making more land. So therefore, the only way you can get more competitive or produce more is either by buying more land or using the data that you have. Because of that, we believe that data is a feature of Egg. It will make us more successful in creating more products, getting higher volumes, et cetera. And it's just going to be critical for ag going forward because that's how ag can do more with the same amount of land, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. And Melinda, think about you see packing lines, you know, being in production facilities. Look, think about all the data that comes out of the line, whether it's 60 or 100 pictures of apples or cherries or the data in IoT <laughs> sensors. I mean, it's just data all over the place and often it's just left lying around. Well, that's the case. A very simplistic idea. We think of somebody like Coca-Cola as a leader in mining data and understanding consumer nuance. And you would think they use every piece of data point that they possibly come across. I'm sure you've all used one of the freestyle machines in a restaurant where you get to add the different flavors to your sodas very early on. What magic is this? Yeah, no. So have you never used one of these in a restaurant where you add the different flavors to your drink? No, no. Oh, you may living in the past. Oh, you're living in the past. So these have been out for a really long time. And I remember sitting at a food marketing institute meeting and talking with Coca-Cola executives. And I said, so what are you guys doing with all this data for potentially new consumer insights as to potentially new flavors and new product innovation based on taking all of this data from all these machines and figuring out what consumers are using more often? Yeah, we don't use any of that. We don't know what to do with it. I was like, <laughs> there are thousands and thousands of these machines out there and it's right it's the same like even in the early days of loyalty cards at grocery stores consumers were scanning their loyalty card every time and that was potentially giving you a coupon but retailers didn't know what to do with all that data i mean we're no different at ag we have hundreds of thousands of data points that we're getting every single day whether it's soil quality whether it's water whether inputs whether it's labor whether it's fruit quality and now somebody with a big brain like greg and all of your team has to figure out how to make that data useful because it's without making it useful it just goes into a big black hole and why are we recording it if we're not going to use it yeah thank you so much for that it, it's interesting because a lot of systems out there you can't it, they make it really hard to get to the data so that's one thing our company does our dss team does is they enable that pulling that data out of there put in something that you can run the reports out of that you need and that's going to be a big thing for us i believe data hostages almost we're starting to identify that there's a spectrum of how companies view their IT investments, right? There's levels of maturity. Some are well progressed on that path and others not so much. Greg, can you give us a few examples of how you and the Zag team have helped a client reframe their view of technology that in turn helped them change their business? Yeah, thank you, Rob. So, you know, whenever we go into a new client and their systems aren't stable, they're going down, you know, daily, monthly, weekly, or whatever, that causes a lot of downstream effects. Productivity goes down, labor costs go up, all that. So stabilizing the environment is critical for any organization. And that's one way that we consistently, dramatically, positively impact them. The other would be, you know, we're talking about cyber breaches. If a client gets hit and they're down for 24 hours, 
hours, it's relatively not a horrible experience for them, meaning it's bad and it, they'll never forget it that day, but they'll survive without loss of business generally, stuff like that. If they're down for longer, 10, 14 days or longer, then that just dramatically impacts them. So having help customers through a cyber breach and get them back up or have them protected to the point where they're not actually impacted by by the breach has dramatically improved them and they, they see the value from that going forward. So those are just kind of some examples. What are, you brought this up right away, you know, like stabilizing their environment, keeping them online. Do you see that more often than not? Look at that almost as a connectivity issue. Like, is that really common for people to have that stability problem? It happens often, not, not everywhere, but often. Uh, that seems like such a, again, a simplistic fix, but at the same time, one that pays massive dividends in your everyday performance. It's simplistic unless the causes are not. So sometimes it can be quite complicated. Yes, it is a, it's a binary thing. Are we up or are we down oftentimes, but it can take some work. It can take a reframing of the client where they have to move out of the IT as a cost center, don't spend a nickel to getting IT stable and spending not unlimited, but spending the right amount of money for the organization. And if you do that, you can stabilize the system, make it productive, make it always there, et cetera. Greg, this has been super helpful in thinking about this ability to start reframing IT as a strategic investment, as something that helps not only build that competitive advantage, but helps, to your point, really embrace the future to be better, to be stronger, to be better able to serve customers. We ask all our guests, uh, you know, if they could look into the future and really tell us whether it's data or technology or something new, where is ag going to go? What? How will it change? What should we expect based on things we're not even thinking about today? I think it'll change with more. There'll be more technology. There'll be more requirements. People will work longer hours. The fact the companies, the factories and their production will work longer hours. It'll be a higher speed. There'll be more government regulation. All of these things will be tied to technology. And because of that, there will just be more technology in the future. Rob, any final thoughts from you today of what you've learned, what your takeaways, what your mind-blown ideas are? You know what, actually, there's something I want to circle back with Greg on, because he said something that was really interesting to me. It was almost in passing. Greg, you were talking just momentarily ago about in the event of some form of IT incident, whether it's a uh, cybersecurity incident or maybe um, some form of natural disaster or whatever the case might be, that the an organization that's well-prepared is able to be up and running in the case, say, of a cyber incident within roughly 24 hours. I'm aware of, as I'm sure everyone is, incidents where we've seen uh, fast food restaurants closing their stores. We've seen produce not on supermarket shelves. Can you just, as we wrap up, talk a little bit about how does an organization actually get ready to not miss a shipment? Great question. So my answer would be, number one, they've got to talk about it. What will we do in incident? How will we respond? They've got to talk about it at the board level. They've got to talk about the IT level. We've got to break the view where, you know, there's oftentimes historically there's dysfunction between IT and ownership, the board, whoever. And that's because IT didn't always position things as a business continuity requirement or risk mitigation requirement. 
if we can change and, and talk like that, we can talk about if an attack happens, boards should say, if an attack happens, I do not want to pay. I want to be able to recover in X amount of hours. And it has to be a conversation, but the board has to drive or ownership has to drive that solution. And if we can get to that point, if something does happen and all the defenses are circumvented, that you'll still be able to recover from in a timely manner. And that's a different place to be. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So Melinda, I think the big takeaway from for me today is that a lot of companies have a really untapped resource inside their building. It's their IT team and their investments in technology and reframing that ultimately leads them to grow faster and be more profitable. It's culture, right? It all comes down to culture and how people think about what they're going to do and how they make their company better. I just love having these conversations overall. One of my top strength finder attributes is to be a learner. And my mind just goes on high every time I get to sit with smart people and talk about new ideas and be excited about that. From the moment we got on this podcast today, and Greg said technology is the new farmate input. Like my mind is just sort of worrying. It's like, we know it's not simple, but like in its simplest form of broke down how we understand it, that's amazing. I love that ag tech just brings together really smart people from every corner of the industry and every skill set to talk about problems, both big and small. And at the center of it all is tech. And, and Greg, you reiterated that today. Technology can answer every problem we have in ag. We often think of the industrial revolution as the shift from, you know, sort of hand labor to machine labor, but we're actually entering the fifth era of the industrial revolution. Uh, we're leaving the era of data and mass information collecting. And now we're entering uh, sort of this intersection of humans and machines and this ability to start maximizing all this data that we've collected. And that's some of what we've talked about today, right? Like there's, we're using computers and technology to bring all this terrific information in-house, but if it's just sitting there on tap, what good is it for us? And this is where Zag is really, I think in the middle of it all right now. And this could be the exciting part of what's gonna happen. How do we begin to leverage this data and really help businesses be better? How do we watch this culture shift in ag and with companies who are willing to stand on the edge of saying, I wanna be better, I wanna be stronger, and I wanna serve my customers to my highest possible potential. And I can't wait to see what Zag and other leaders in ag tech are going to do and how they're going to lead us into the next sort of iteration of tech. And for that, thanks to Greg and thanks to Zag, as well as thanks to the Packer for having us uh, here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Like Melinda, I too was struck by Greg's comment that technology is becoming a new farming input. That's the way we have to think about it. Anyway, check out our other Tip of the Iceberg podcast episodes. In our last episode, we heard a chat between Leanne Ruzamenti of Equitable Food Initiative and Gretchen Grani, Vice President of ESG for Bondwell Fresh Americas. And it was about what it took for her multinational produce company to earn B Corp certification. If you like what you hear, please hit our subscribe button or your subscribe button. We don't own it. And rate us on your preferred podcast platform. It really does help us out. And have you heard of our free professional development courses at produceedu.com? We have all sorts of courses from produce buying fundamentals, merchandising 101, to how to reduce food waste all along the supply chain, all about indoor growing and more.
You can add this training to your LinkedIn profile and you can use it as evidence of your awesomeness when you ask for a raise or a new role. Remember, it's at produceedu.com. In this episode's show notes, you can find many ways to follow us for more produce information, news, tips, and insights. Thanks so much. Talk to you later.